Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist, which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. been trying to declutter your house and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Lockwood, and on the surface, I teach you how to declutter your home so you can focus on what matters most to you as a mom, which I'm guessing isn't those laundry mountains, dishes stacked to the sky, and the tornadoes you clean up all day. My hope for this podcast is so much more than teaching you to declutter. I record all of my episodes live and in real time so that you can have the experience of a mom friend who gets you and is there for you. My audio isn't perfect, my kids might interrupt us, but the conversations we have are real, impactful, and proof that there are other moms like you that decluttering has worked for. If you want to join me and thousands of other moms for live episodes, go find us on Instagram and Facebook. 
Just search Motherhood Simplified and we'll welcome you with open arms. See you soon. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode where we're doing kind of a follow-up to the Clutter Chronicles with Sarah Potter. We did an episode, I feel like it was almost a year ago. I really don't know one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we're kind of doing a follow-up, but she specifically wanted to talk about how she helped her daughter declutter. And I we're going to talk specifically about kids. I don't really know how else to word it other than kids who are extra resistant to decluttering because that does come up a lot of times. And I want to give you guys the disclaimer that most of the time, the strategies that we talk about, like, you know, giving them a physical boundary and kind of leading them through this, Hey, Lindsay, you made it. Um, and the ways that we teach gener- or that I teach generally work, but sometimes it doesn't work. And this is going, I want to debate in the best way, but basically if your mom gut is saying like, this is something more with my kid, listen to that. Right. And I kind of intuitively, intuitively tap into that too. Like if I'm getting questions from you guys and I feel like it's beyond my scope of what I can help you with, I will tell you, like, I think this is beyond what I can help you with. And there's nothing wrong with seeking outside help, you know, through teachers and school systems and therapists and trying to figure out what this bigger root issue is. And Sarah's going to speak on that today, kind of her personal experience, um, what that looks like and looked like for them, and hopefully give you ways to help do this. And I'm super excited because this does come up a lot. Um, and I think it's really important to address that. Yes, sometimes just like with adults, it's a bigger, it's a bigger thing to address, right? Like some people have, have more to work through. So there's more going on beneath the surface that you don't realize. Yes. Yeah. And I had to work through because I didn't know that my daughter had things like this going on as deep as they did whenever I started this process about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, she had just turned, just turned six. And my husband is active duty, so he deployed. And that's when I started all this decluttering journey, and it was great. And I was really gung ho, and everything was going awesome. And then we got to the toys. And so that's where I started having problems with her. Now I knew that she had some kind of separation anxiety. um, And I knew that it was from birth, like there were signs from birth, but I didn't know that her anxiety manifested into her things at that age. You know, I thought that that was something that was learned as you got older. And the things that we talk about with like our grandparents holding on to things just in case they learned that through the depression, you know, that you hold on to things because you think you're gonna need it. But for her, her separation anxiety manifested into things like her daddy doll or her security blanket or you know, a gift that she had gotten from her grandparents um, because they were far away and she didn't have physical contact with them anymore. So all she had were the things that they had given her. And so I didn't realize that those things that she had were so important to her that if she lost them, she was losing control of her environment or her emotions or that kind of thing. And so 
looking back when I first started this and I first started decluttering with her, um, I, I involved her and it was a huge fail. I mean, there was huge pushback because, you know, I was like, oh, hey, how about this? You know, like, can we, can we get this out? Can we make room for something else by getting rid of this or that or the other? And I think it was too fast for her. I think it just, she shut down on me. It was just a huge fail. And then I went to the sneak attack approach. So I waited for her to go to school and then I would go to her room and I would clean out the trash. I started with the trash. And I'm talking literal trash like candy wrappers and broken uh, McDonald's toys that were behind the bed, you know, little trash that she could not find. But I always went and I cleaned her room afterwards so that she couldn't tell that I had been in there taking things away. It just looked like I was in there cleaning. And that worked for a while until I started getting really ambitious and throwing away bigger items or things that I thought she didn't like anymore. And she started noticing. And so um, I'm trying to talk low enough because she is in the other room. So if I don't get, make sure you guys can hear me. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. I'm telling secrets. <laughs> well, she actually got to the point where she was noticing that I was getting rid of her stuff. And she actually came to me one time and she was like, Mom, you could tell she was just visibly upset. Her voice was quivering. She said, Mom, how would you feel if your mom came and she threw away your stuff without asking you? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I got you, girl. All right, we'll stop this for a while. And I was like, how am I going to do this? She's going to have to have some kind of authority, right, to do this on her own. Um, because she couldn't make these decisions on her own. She's only six. She was turning seven. Um, but what I was asking her to do was basically, you know, I tried the boundary thing, you know, like, let's put all your special items in a drawer, you know. It was almost like telling her to, for me, it would be like, take my kitchen and pare it down into one drawer or one cabinet. And that's just not doable, you know. And so if she's got no guidance on this, there's no way she's going to achieve it. And me forcing it was her losing control of her environment and her things. And that caused even more anxiety. So it was like a snowball. And so I sat back and I, over the process of probably 10 months, I had her do a psych eval and she was tested for a bunch of different things. She did have ADHD. She had separation anxiety and she had a reading disorder. And I think she's got some processing stuff going on that we haven't been able to diagnose yet. So all those things that added up, I had a huge light bulb moment. I was like, okay, she's not the normal kid. That boundary that we talk about in the group is not going to work for her. We've got to change it up. So, um, <coughs> excuse me, pollen, you know, got that pollen. <laughs> Clarify that. <laughs> me, I was going to have to take the emotion out of it. You know, as moms, when we get in here, we talk about we've got 15 minutes. Let's hurry up and get this done and we get rid of the big stuff because it's going to be the most relief for us. Or um, we get fired up and we angry declutter and that kind of thing. And that doesn't work on a kid with anxiety or a kid that's totally resistant because you're going to have some major pushback with that. It's kind of like how we say, you know, don't go in and go do your husband's stuff because it's his stuff. And when you've got kids like that, that's their stuff. And so I started treating her like I would have my husband's stuff and I left it alone. 
can't touch any of it. I took away my emotion out of it and I left it alone. And so um, I realized that she needed those things in order to stay connected with these people that she loves and the things that she loves. So I, um, I went back to doing my things and I kept her stuff out of it. If there was anything that was scattered around the house, I just put it back up in her room or I had her go take it to her room. And I usually, if I did that, I had her put it all in one place so that it, she could see how much she had. And then um, I took a lot of the principles that we talked about with the husbands and stuff, like I said, and I applied those like, um, I didn't touch her stuff. I gave her praise if she did get rid of something, if she made the decision to throw away um, a picture that she drew at school because she just didn't love it or something. I went over the top with the praises on that. Um, I praised her brother. Now she's got a younger brother who's two years younger than her and he's been able to completely reset his room since he was four years old and she couldn't do that. Um, and I would give him lots of praises for that, but not in a, like a condescending way. Like, hey, look, I didn't compare. If she heard it or, or not, that was fine. But I always praised him if he was able to go clean his room. And I knew she could see some of that. I gave her other praises for other things that she did that was even smaller, right? Um, I made comments to my husband in her presence, like, wow, we reset the kitchen in like five minutes that wouldn't have been possible, or my bedroom in like five minutes, that wouldn't have been possible if we still had all our stuff. And so I let her hear all those things. And then I also, um, I played your, some of your videos in the background. And I don't remember which ones they were, I know it's gonna be asked, I don't remember which ones they were, but they were very basic, they were very beginner, and they were kid friendly, not in, you know, in content, you know, stuff that she could understand at age seven. And so this went on for probably three months, maybe two months. And um, she finally, I was sick as a dog, y'all. I had a sinus infection, I was laid up in bed, I was by myself, my husband was off doing something, and she came to me, she goes, Mom, I think I'm ready for you to come help me do my room. <laughs> okay. If I had mono, like you drop everything you're doing and you go do it because that's the moment that she wanted help with, right? Yeah. And so I let it be her decision. And she realized that she she had been in the plane and she couldn't get to her stuff is what it was and she wanted to clean it and she didn't know how to clean it. And so I guess she found that breaking point and she heard all the good things around her that were happening in the rest of the house. And so um, we, I had just watched that video of you decluttering Savannah in yeah. the bathtub. <laughs> and so Savannah, if you watch this, thank you yeah. so much for letting <laughs> her post that because it was a huge help, right? And, you know, Savannah had things in there that she chose to do one thing with that I would have probably chose to do another thing with one way or another if I were guiding her, but you didn't and you, you had your emotion out of it, right? Yeah. And if she was really struggling with something, you just gave her guidance. Um, you didn't tell her one way or another and let her make the decisions. And that was huge because I, I applied that to what I was doing with Kaylin. And um, well, anyway, she was like, mom, come help me. And I took everything of hers and I put it in the floor. And when we had a giant pile, I mean, this pile was in the high. And then I made stations and I did a, 
a donate station, a keep station, a, um, an unsure station and a trash station. And I put the trash can and it was like one of those like office trash cans. It was only like this big. Back to when we used to record with Alex. I put the trash can back behind me for a couple of reasons. One, if she decided to throw something away, she could basketball shoot it and it became a game. And two, I didn't want her to be able to see into the trash can the things that she was throwing, like, because I didn't want her to have second thoughts, right? And I made it. I made it a challenge, and so I told her if she could fill up the trash can, I would get her X, X, and X. And if she filled up the trash can and the donate pile, she got a new toy. Like this, I, there was this one toy that she was really, really wanting. I can't remember what it was. Um, but we sat there, and it took us probably an hour and a half before her focus started just completely going away, and which that was remarkable for her. I wasn't prepared to do that for an hour and a half, but. Um, she actually had to go get another trash bag. We got rid of a contractor bag full of stuff. And those are the giant ones, if you don't know what that is. Those are the giant black trash bags. She had a whole pile to get rid of, and we were able to completely clean her room and get it organized in one day. And it was because it was her decision, and I didn't force her one way or another on anything. And the things that she was unsure about, we put in a tote, and that was her boundary. And we made it a switch out thing. So if she decided, yes, she did want something out of that, we weren't going to get rid of anything. She picked another toy out of her room and did a trade off, right? Mm -hmm. Like a toy rotation. And then the other thing I did with her was I loosened up the boundary restriction that I had on her with one drawer. We had a whole, like probably four drawers that were empty in her room. And I've watched her, and she, even in this house, this was at a different house and different furniture, and even at this house, three drawers seems to be a good number for her. Um, and she's able to maintain the three drawers, not go overboard, and not feel stressed about that limitation. Mm -hmm. And so I, I listened up on that, and it has worked really well. Now, I'm still working with her on things, new things that come in. A lot of times things have to sit around for a while before she's like, okay, I think I can get rid of them now. But the whole point is that the way that we do our stuff doesn't work as well for those kids that really, really reluctant or have anxiety to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a whole bunch of notes about <laughs> questions to follow up with. Um, but just kind of touching on what you most recently said about like, she has three drawers, right? Like I think sometimes when we're talking in the group, we take things really literally. And I know that we talked about this too on the call last week in the, in the workshops that we're doing live. Um, you were like, I don't have any space for my towels. And I'm like, when I say you don't need to like buy stuff to hold your stuff, sometimes you do have to buy stuff to hold your stuff because you don't have closets. Right. And when I say like a physical boundary, like one, like we literally, every person has a different threshold for what they can manage and some people like myself mine's really low like I just can't handle a lot but people like my daughter and your daughter like they can they can manage more stuff right it doesn't overwhelm them so when we talk about like give them a physical boundary there's not like a one-size-fits-all <coughs> boundary because we all our kids included have different thresholds for what they can manage um so I love that you 
you adjusted it to make it work for her. Um, if you guys don't know what we're talking about with the video with Savannah too, I think if you search bathtub or like live from Savannah's bathtub, <laughs> you'll find it. Um, but I love that video and that method because you can do it with your kids because that's all I do is I hold up. I, all I do is hold up her stuff, hold up her clothes and ask her keep or don't keep. And I gave her a time limit. Like if you don't give me an answer within three seconds and you're not super excited to be like, keep it's don't keep right. If it's not like a heck yes, then it's a heck no. But when you have, when you're doing this with your kids, I think you can do that with them, right? Take your emotion out of it. Oh, that's why I wanted to bring this up because a lot of times I see people saying like, my kids, I can't get rid of the stuff because my kids don't want to get rid of it. Right. But this is the truth that sometimes you're saying that because kids are a great excuse, right? Kids are a great excuse to not do the things that we know that we need to do. We can kind of, and, and I talked to, I have a whole episode about this, like make your kids your reason, not your excuse. Mm-hmm. So if you are saying things like, I can't get rid of this because my kids don't want to ask yourself first, like, am I saying that my kids don't want to get rid of this? Or am I saying that my kids have an attachment to this when really you're projecting your own attachment onto it and saying it's my kids, right? Because we do that too sometimes. And we have to take that kind of that emotion out of it, especially when we're doing it with our kids, right? If we're decluttering with our kids, we have to separate our baggage from theirs. And I do that with my son. He could care less. He'll bring me his room is basically bare before we moved. And he was like, I don't want any of this. And I'm like, I think you should really keep this because he's five. Yeah. I do that with Derek too. Cause Derek doesn't care. Like if he has a basketball, he's happy. That's literally all he wants. And I will do things like maybe you should keep this because as a mom, I'm like, I, I don't feel like I can let you live in an empty room. I feel like I'm depriving you. Right. But that's my baggage. That's not his baggage. He doesn't care about that stuff. No, my daughter would. And so I have to split, you know, I have to treat my kids differently. Yeah, you really do. You have to compartmentalize it, especially on based on individual kids, right? Like Mm -hmm. the way that you declutter with your daughter is not the same with your son. And that's how it is in our house too. We'll see how like Tara and Kaylee end up, but like Derek doesn't care at all. Brie, she'll want to keep things. Um, so I like, I have a question about, let me see what I want to do. Okay. So when it comes, when it came to you trying to figure out like the balance between like leading her and guiding her down this road and realizing like, okay, like I need to stop. Like, how did you, what did that look like for you? Like, how did you realize, or did you have like any, like turning points of like, okay, I need, I need to slow this down. Like this is not working for her. I don't, I don't remember an aha moment. There was a lot going on in my life at that time too. Yeah. Um, I think I just, I really don't know. I can't, like I said, if it, it would be easy for me to say there was an aha moment and I don't remember there being one. Yeah. I know that I watched another family member who I think she got the anxiety inherited from mm-hmm. and I watched how people reacted with her and it was like there's no way I would be able to get her to do you know to calm down and do this and this, and this as an adult and I 
I think I was able to translate that into what my daughter was feeling. Um, cause this family member wanted help decluttering too. And she was struggling with it also because of her anxiety. And so I did that. And then with her getting her diagnosis, um, that helped to, it's my son, it's not her. <laughs> oh crap. Right. Um, with her getting her diagnosis, um, I realized that there are different ways that you have to approach these kids, especially with the ADHD and her being able to focus on things. And so I just started pulling the pieces together. I think, you know, between we don't mess with our husband's stuff. We let them do it. You know, a lot of that had, that was a lot of help the way you approach Savannah and her stuff, you know, as an outside person, that was a lot of help. And so it all just kind of came together. Yeah. Uh, the day that she asked me to help her and we made up the little game thing. I did that on the fly. That wasn't something that I had really prepared for. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that was kind of what I was, that was what I was hoping you were saying. Yeah. Because um, decluttering, I tell you guys this a lot too, like it's, it's so much more than decluttering, right? It's so much more than just stuff and you really have to do it yourself. Like Sarah did like, right? Like she did her house she did, you know, and would kind of like plant these ideas of like, man, like the kitchen is so easy for me to clean now because I've already done this. Right. Mm -hmm. And because Sarah had already done this, she knows what the process is, right? Like practically she knows, right. Deanna, she knows practically what the process looks like. She knows that it does help. She has led by example for her family of like, I've already done it. Right. I'm doing it. Like you can trust me. You can see that this is okay. And then once you do that for yourself, and this is something that I notice when I work with people, especially one-on-one, -on -one, is because I, I've done it, I have like the, the space in my head <laughs> to intuitively pick up on where somebody is in their journey, right? Mm -hmm. So I can, I can kind of intuitively, decluttering is a lot of intuition, right? You get to tap into that, which I think is really fun and very cool. Um, like working with Savannah, like, okay, like she's not ready for this. And even sometimes when, yeah, when, um, I don't know if we ever got in the video cause I worked with Savannah a lot. We did a lot of things on video, but we did a lot out of video. And there were a lot of times where I would, I would just tell her like, I know you told me to keep going, but I'm going to stop because I can see it in your face. Like you're not ready for this. Yeah. You've done enough. Like we have, you've, you've done enough. You've done a lot and I'm not going to push it anymore because I can tell like right now you're tired. Yeah. Or, you have to watch your kids like that too. Yes. If you know your kids, you have to watch their face and their reactions to stuff. And if they start glazing over or start stuttering and unable to make the decisions, you know, it's probably a good sign to pause or stop or take a break or wait until next week. Mm -hmm. and try again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I would do, especially with Savannah. I'm like, let's go get lunch. Right. Or I live right down the street. I'll be back next week. Um, but yeah, just kind of paying attention to that and understanding that everybody's thresholds are different and everybody's process is going to be different. And then I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about, cause we kind of talked about it earlier, but, um, she has the diagnosis of separation anxiety, which I thought was really interesting. So good, the disclaimer, we're not doctors, we're not oh. diagnosing anything and we're not, yeah, we're not giving you anything like that. But I think it's very interesting in the way that this manifests because separation anxiety is, is a real thing. Everybody knows about it, right? But 
I don't think people have ever really considered tying it to your stuff. So tell us a little bit. I just think it's really interesting and I think will be very helpful, especially, you know, like you guys are a military family, right? Like we know lots of military families. We know lots of like divorced families and right. things like this. So tell us your thoughts on separation anxiety and kind of how it's manifested with you guys. So she, she's the only one that has excess stress over when her dad is gone. And she has a daddy doll. And if you don't know what that is, I don't have it here. Um, my other boys have one too, and they play football with it. But it's like this tall, and it's just a photo of their dad in, stuffed into like a little pillow thing, right? And it's a doll. And she's got a security blanket, and she's going to turn eight. Um, and we have just gotten to where she doesn't haul that thing around everywhere, right? And so her stuff is her way of holding on to the people that she loves. And I knew she, looking back, I know she had some form of separation anxiety from birth to her dad. If he had boobs and was able to feed this child, she would have nothing to do. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> She loved her dad to death and he went on, he went on a trip like when she was like three weeks old and cried, she cried and cried and cried the entire time. She completely changed when he left and we went over to a friend's house and my friend's husband, they were all really good friends. They were in the hospital with us. So she knew him from birth, right? He took her and sat in his rocking chair and cradled her just like her dad does. And she fell asleep and she hadn't slept in like three days. And so it was that point where I was like, she's missing her dad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so she had been hospitalized at one point, a couple years later, she missed him so much um, that she stopped eating. She stopped drinking, in which case she got dehydrated. And that's a cycle, you know, it makes her sick. You're not drinking. And so then she was throwing up and making herself more dehydrated. So she was hospitalized. And, um, so anyway, when he deployed that time, when I got into the group, I put her in therapy for it. Mm -hmm. And so her therapist is the one that noticed the ADHD and, um, suggested I had her do a psyche valve and get her tested for other things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that all came back around when I realized that she was keeping all this stuff because she misses the people that she loves the most. She would keep things like old shoes that didn't fit her anymore. She didn't want to get rid of them because they were a gift from her grandparents who she hadn't seen in a couple months. And so all of these things were manifesting, all these emotions that she had were manifesting into physical objects. Mm -hmm. And the, they had to be physical objects that she had control over. And so she, I guess she didn't have enough control over her emotions that she was controlling these things around her. And when I was taking those away, that was like, Oh my gosh, you know, don't do that mom. And she was freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. Um, because these are real things, right? This is like a real thing that that they go through. And not only kids, like I think sometimes I hate to say it, but I think sometimes if it happens in a kid, we're less like tolerant of it. We like if we see this happening in an adult, we're like, oh man, like that adult needs help, right? Like somebody should help them figure this out. But when we see it happen in a kid, I think sometimes we don't necessarily, we kind of brush it off of like, 
I'm the adult. So, you know, I'm going to get rid of this stuff still. So I think it's awesome that you really tapped into that and found ways to help her and find this outside support that you both needed, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I had to know how to, the, one of the reasons that I told the therapist this was why I put her in therapy was I don't expect her to be able to change her emotions and that kind of thing. I need to know how to handle it when she's completely melting down in the middle of the night. Yeah. You know, I need this for me as much as I want her to be here, you know, yeah. for her. so yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. And I, I just think it's so awesome that you figured this out and you were like, okay, like the boundary thing is great, but it doesn't work for us. So you found things. And that's, that's what I hope out of everything that we're talking about today is that you realize that sometimes it's really not enough, right? Sometimes you do need outside help, right? There are professionals who know how to deal with this. They know how to give you the tools and the steps and the space and the support to be like, okay, you, you just need a little bit more, right? And that's totally okay. Right. And once I gave her the authority, the authority to do this on her own with my guidance, like this past weekend, we cleaned up the toy room and I got rid of another contractor bag full of stuff. And the biggest thing was one of her Shopkins dollhouses and she, she was okay with me letting it go. And at first we were going to donate it. It makes her feel better to donate things to think that another child is getting it, but it had kind of gotten crushed up there in the pile of the donate that can't get donated right now. So yeah. <laughs> she's like, why are you doing that? You that's supposed to go. And I showed her, you know, the pieces are falling apart. You don't have all the stuff for it. And I gave her some logic. Like, Do you really think a child is going to want a broken toy like this? And she's like, no, I was like, okay, well let's go ahead and just put it in the trash. You know, you can find something else that we can donate. And she was okay with it. She said, okay. And so I'm, they just came and picked it up about five minutes before we started. So nice. Yeah. Um, which brings me to the last thing that I want to talk about is that you realized, I think this is another really important thing <coughs> in a situation to realize is that you're going to have to change your expectations mm -hmm. of this process, right? I think that's one of the things that we kind of run into a lot is that we want to do it fast. We want to do it on our timeline. We want to do it in our own way. And sometimes you're going to have easy breezy kids who are like, cool or spouses who are like, yes, I'm yeah. good with that. And sometimes you're going to have to, you're going to have to drop your expectations and realize that it's really not about you right now, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I think is what I take away from this so much from you that I think is just an amazing quality as a mom is like, this wasn't about you. It was about you helping her. Right. And you were like, I want to throw it all away. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what I meant by take your emotions out of it. Cause when you get you know, fired up and ready to go and you've got your 15 minutes and you want to overhaul it, it doesn't work on these kids like that. It's yeah. going to cause more resentment and stress. Yeah. From them. Yep. And Which is do. not to say you can't make any progress because there's right. a whole rest of the house, <laughs> Right. but it's just going to look a little different right there. And everything I think that we're talking about, you can substitute child for spouse, right? If your spouse is also like this, same applies to your spouse. Um, and moving forward, you know, I have to tweak my expectations of the new things that she's bringing in. And so um, one of the things that we talk about is being the gatekeeper. And um, she was actually in the hospital over Valentine's Day and the caseworker there for, she got sick um, for something unrelated. But, um, 
the caseworker there fell in love with her and was bringing her all these valentines, these homemade valentines from the art classes around the area. And so she had this giant bag full of homemade valentines and they're still sitting in here on my clutter crutch and I can't stand it. But I know that she actually loved having those because it was a source of comfort for her and something to do while she was in the hospital. And so I'm a lot more lax on her having this stuff in my way and or having it in her room and it not really having a place to be because I know this has to be on her own time. Yeah. It will come back around. I just have to be patient and yeah. wait and guide her just a little bit. Yes. Just, just a little bit and then it'll, it'll be okay. Yes. Yes. I agree with that completely. It's another thing that we talk about a lot too, is that it's not just our house. It's the whole family's house and you have to, it takes, I'm going to do an episode later this week on negotiating how in your home, like with your family members, how to negotiate with them. Because a lot of times we do have to negotiate these things like negotiating spaces, negotiating amounts, negotiating all of these things. And that takes compromise, which sometimes sounds like sucking it up and not doing what you want to do. Right. (laughs) Um, for the time anyway. Um, so how have you noticed, I'm just kind of curious, how have you noticed like actual clutter in the house affecting her and like her heightened emotions and stuff? Her room specifically, because the rest of the house stays decent. Um, not right now because we've just moved and we still have boxes Mm -hmm. everywhere and that's stressing me out. Yeah. But for her in her room, I notice a difference in her when she can't reset it. That's when we need to go in. And that's what happened this past weekend in the toy room and stuff. There were things that got broken in the move and blah, blah, blah. And they weren't able to reset it. And so we have to go in and we have to remove the things that are not being played with and figure out a different way to do stuff. And so, yeah, whenever her room is getting bad or, you know, she can't reset it herself, then I can tell that she gets more anxious up there and she'll avoid it. And so then things start coming downstairs and that's where I, you know, I'm like, nope, toys are staying upstairs. This is my level. That's your level. You got the whole upstairs. Go take it up there. Um, But yeah, I can, I've got those cues now. Whenever things start getting bad with her anxiety again upstairs, then I can tell it's time. Yeah. Yep. And that's how I do it with my kids too. I can tell when they're avoiding their rooms or when there's like spill out and spill over into the rest of the house. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. This is getting out of control. Mm-hmm. You guys know what we're going to do. And I think the more you do it, the more they, they learn to trust it. And yes, yeah, they're not like freaking out. Cause it's all unknown. It's like, okay, we've done this before. And I love how it feels after. Yeah. Um, and they're a little bit more willing to get on board. Um, I think that's it. As far as questions for me, um, you covered everything that I was going to ask. So <laughs> yay. Okay. So Thank you so much for this. If you guys have follow-up questions, just get inside of the, the um, Facebook group. It's a really great place to ask questions. And Sarah's not the only mom who has done this process. There are a handful of other moms who I know who have done this with a, with a similar kind of you know experience with their child. Um, in their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a very resistant person in their house, whether it's a spouse or a child. So lots of support for you guys inside of the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? 
It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me on your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the Motherhood Simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.